So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, hello, Heritage. I want to welcome all of you at all of our locations to week number two of Acts Church on Fire. We kicked off our series last week by kind of giving an overview of the book of Acts, and we saw how the church, as they sent people, became part of a movement that changed the world. And one of the key moments when that happened was when they went from being a group in hiding to a people on mission, a church on fire, emboldened, empowered. And so through this series, we're going to be walking through that movement and the realities and some of the key people and events of what was part of what that movement looked like. But I realize we're stepping as a church into a season where many of us are going to go on vacation and take different trips. And I want to encourage you to do something to stay connected to this journey. I want to encourage you to consider reading through the book of Acts on your own. You may do that with your family. You may do that with your spouse. You can do it at whatever pace you want. You may want to use a reading plan, and I'd like to recommend a specific one that would keep us closer together as we walk through this series. It's offered by YouVersion, and it's called Now is the Time, Acts. And the easiest thing to do is to download it through the YouVersion app, but it's a 30-day reading plan that you can read quickly or slowly. It's available for adults, for students, and children. There's three different versions. And I really encourage you to consider taking the time through the course of the summer as we go through the series to read through the entire book of Acts on your own as we hit some of the high points and some of the people along the way. Because one of the realities is that 2,000 years ago, a man showed up who challenged the status quo of his day. His radical teaching and his personal relationships created a countercultural movement that has literally changed the world. We still feel the effects of it today. So much so that I just want to take a few moments today to talk about some of the beginnings of that movement. And so if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it and turn with me to the book of Acts. Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. We're going to be in chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We're going to have the scriptures up on the screen. And also they're available in your sermon note guide. But we're picking up this story at a point where... Jesus has been in a period of showing himself to his disciples after his resurrection. So he was crucified, he rose again, and in a 40-day period, he showed himself to his disciples multiple times. He did it to individuals, he did it to small groups, even to the point he showed himself to a group of 500. And every time he did that, one of the primary reasons for it was he wanted to once again teach about his kingdom which is really kind of what we just came out of in our Live in the Dream series as we talked about some of the details and realities of his kingdom. And in this particular occasion where we're looking today at the beginning of Acts, it's one of the moments where he showed up to his original disciples, the 11, no longer 12 because Judas is out of the picture. And in this interaction, as they're eating together, Jesus gives them a command. 
So let's check this out. This is Acts chapter 1, starting with verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Let me just hold right there. Because what they end up doing in this moment is asking a question about his kingdom. And Jesus says, look, don't worry about that for now. But here's the thing. Verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now that last verse, verse 8, is a verse that's very familiar for many of us. And it gives us some insight into Jesus' ministry strategy, and it affirms the role of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it gives us some insight into a critical component of what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit empowers. He empowers. Another way we can say that is that the Holy Spirit sets the church on fire. That's your first feeling if you're following along in your sermon note guide. The Holy Spirit sets the church on fire. It does what? Sets the church on fire. Yeah, fire. Listen, listen. This is huge. The Holy Spirit sets the church on fire. Now, last week, Jason helped us look at what's called the, the fire triangle. And it's just the reality that to have a fire, you always need three components. You need air and heat and fuel. If you have all three of those together, you can have a fire. If you're missing one of them, you don't have a fire. There is an essential group of three. But there's another essential group of three that is not a triangle, but rather it is a trinity. And it really reflects how God reveals himself to us. Those three essential things are how God reveals himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It is not a triangle, but a trinity. It is the triune God, the three in one. It's really a concept that's hard for us to wrap our minds totally around, but this is how God reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And honestly, it's kind of easy for us to look at God the Father and go, okay, I get that. I understand God the Father role and that larger, broader understanding of the deity of God. And, and even when it comes to God the Son, when we understand what what Jesus did when he came and he died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin. Well, we go, okay, I get and understand God the Son. But when it comes to understanding the Holy Spirit, not so much. It's harder. Holy Spirit's a little more vague, mystical. We experience Holy Spirit in whispers and, and flashes Yet, it's by the Holy Spirit that we live and love and accomplish things we can't do on our own. It's by the Holy Spirit that we experience the presence of God the Father. It's by the Holy Spirit that we understand the person of God the Son and what He taught. And in reality, the Holy Spirit ultimately lives in us. The Holy Spirit is not just with us, but in us when we follow Jesus. Paul, missionary church planner Paul, actually talked about this in Romans 8. He said, the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Lives in you. 
And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Say what? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. A dead man come to life. Thank you for saying what, sweetheart? (laughs) That same spirit lives in you if you follow Jesus Christ. The resurrection power. When, When Jesus said, look, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. He used a word from the Greek, dunamis. Dunamis. Say that with me. Dunamis. It's kind of fun. Turn to somebody, say it to them. Dunamis. Look, dunamis is the Greek word for power. And here's what it means. Inherent power, power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature, or which a person or thing exerts and puts forth. Dunamis. It's dunamis power. And it gives us insight into the kind of life we can have in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, by His Spirit. It is dunamis power. The same power that raised a dead man to life, that Spirit lives in us. So there is nothing that can overcome it. The same power. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And so whatever you face today, whatever habit, whatever addiction, whatever sin, whatever relationship struggle, professional challenge, hardship, difficulty, nothing can overcome the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the resurrection lives in you. Nothing can overcome it. Except if we reject it. Except our rebellion against it or our refusal to submit to it. Dunamis. Power. The power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the early church was was an unstoppable force. It was an ever-expanding movement of God. It had people who were totally sold out, all in, who had great faith, and that was a significant part of the reality of that movement. But it was the Holy Spirit It was the Holy Spirit that truly empowered them. And Jesus spoke more about that dunamis power with Paul when Paul was actually wrestling with him about a struggle he had in his life. And Paul has this conversation, and and Jesus responds to him this way. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my dunamis power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus responds to Paul's struggle in his life, that hardship, that difficulty, saying, look, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's dunamis power may rest on me. Dunamis power. Look, the peace of God, the power of God, is available to you through Jesus by His Spirit Now, today, it is not just for another time in another place. The Holy Spirit lives in everyone who follows Jesus and is active in their life. In fact, one way for us to think about it is that the Holy Spirit makes the natural supernatural. That the Holy Spirit at work in us, in our humanity, in our physical bodies, takes what is natural and moves it to the supernatural, the ordinary to the extraordinary. 
It is by the Holy Spirit that we experience the presence of God the Father, that we experience the, the God the Son and what He taught, and we understand that. But even though the, the Holy Spirit is such an integral part of understanding and moving through the entire journey with God, we can sometimes misunderstand His role. We can get it wrong and chase the wrong thing, pursue the wrong thing, waste time and miss opportunities. It reminds me of the story of a husband who, who asked his wife what she wanted to do on her birthday. And when he asked, she simply said, you know what, I would love to be six again. I'd love to be six again. So he thought about that, put a lot of thought into it and considered it, and he came up with an extravagant plan. And so on her birthday, he woke her up early and he took her to the local theme park. And they rode rides for hours. They had cotton candy and hot dogs and elephant ears. For five hours, they were at the park. They, they staggered out of the park dizzy from all the rides. And then he took her to McDonald's. Yeah, bought her a Happy Meal with a milkshake. Then they went to the local theater and they caught the recent most released animated movie. They had popcorn, Coke, and Skittles. And after all of that, they staggered home exhausted. They fell into bed. And as they were laying there, he was just filled with joy. He's like, man, I did it. And he leaned over, turned to his wife. And he said, honey, how did it feel to be six again? And she, with one eye open, turned to him and said, you knucklehead, I meant my dress size. I want to be size six again. <laughs> the moral of that story is that men, we can be listening and still get it wrong. No, that's, I'm kidding. That's not the moral of that story. The reason, look, the deal is that we can misunderstand. We can get this wrong. And we misunderstand the role and the scope and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Well, then we chase the wrong thing. We waste time. We miss opportunities when we misunderstand the Holy Spirit. So I want to look at a few things about what the Holy Spirit is and, and what He does. Because when I was a kid and I first heard about the Holy Spirit... The name was the Holy Ghost, and that sounded more creepy to me than empowering. But listen, the Holy Spirit is a down payment on the spiritual, heavenly inheritance that we have through Jesus' promise and what He did on the cross. It is a deposit. The Holy Spirit is a deposit, but He is also a seal, a seal on God's people, on who belong to Him. Beyond that, the Holy Spirit is also a guide, an intercessor, and teacher. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would teach us all things. But also to be a comforter, a counselor, and an advocate. All three of those words translated out of the Greek come from the word parakletos, which is where we get the word paraclete, which is another name for the Holy Spirit, who also convicts of sin and reveals truth as the spirit of truth. You know, far too often, we just don't understand, we misunderstand the full breadth and width and role and scope of the Holy Spirit and therefore don't fully live in His power. But because the Holy Spirit makes the natural supernatural, when we don't understand, then we miss the full power of God at work in our life. We can misunderstand the role and scope of the Holy Spirit, but it is by the Holy Spirit by which we relate to God. If we take the Holy Spirit out of the equation, 
well, then faith and life lack power. But when the Holy Spirit is at work in our life, nothing is impossible. There are no limits. Wherever we go, whatever we do, whoever we interact with, all of that is part of a supernatural adventure. It's a beautiful thing. It's an adventure where the Holy Spirit upon us, the power upon us, we become the witnesses for Jesus in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. That's a beautiful thing. Everything changes when the Holy Spirit enters the equation. Now we're going to see in a few weeks that the Holy Spirit will have to eventually drag the church fully into that role as witnesses. But let's take a moment, if you still have your Bibles open, let's go back and look at where this started and look at how it first all began. And turn with me to chapter 2 in the book of Acts. Chapter 2, the beginning of chapter 2 in the book of Acts. And here's what we find starting with verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Let me just hold there because there's two things I want to point out. First is the word Pentecost. Pentecost is a transliteration of the Greek word Pentecostus, which literally means 50. And it's connected to a common phrase, which is Pentecoste Hermana, or Hemera, which really meant 50th day. And, and what it's speaking to is the reality that, that Pentecost would take place 50 days after Passover. It was originally a Jewish celebration, a feast, that Passover would happen, 50 days later they would celebrate Pentecost, and Pentecost was originally a time to celebrate first fruits. Over time, Jewish tradition spoke into that as a time to remember and commemorate when God gave Israel the law. So Passover, 50 days later, became Pentecost, celebration of when the law was received, but after this moment, Pentecost becomes the time to commemorate when God gave the Holy Spirit to the church. Now, there's something else in here that strikes me, and that's the word all. See, most of the time we think about this moment, we think of just the 11 disciples, but many scholars believe that the all refers back to verse 15 in chapter 1 and includes all 120 disciples and followers of Jesus at this time. Now, that's a different picture in my mind than what I grew up with in flannel graph. <laughs> I just had the 11. And if all 120 are there, then that means in this moment, it's not just the 11, but actually Jesus' mother Mary was there, his brothers and sisters, at least two other disciples who had followed Jesus since his baptism because they were the nominees to take Judas's place, and then many others gathered in one space at one time when God imparts the Holy Spirit to the church, when in verse 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now what's interesting here for me in the word wind there, uh, the, the word for spirit in both Hebrew and Greek is the same word for breath and wind. And so that wind coming loudly is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples. We continue on into verse 3. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. This is a crazy cool moment. It's, it's 50 days after Jesus' crucifixion. 10 days after he ascended into heaven. So he was crucified, he rose, he spent 40 days showing up to people, and then he ascended into heaven and 10 days later... The gift he promised came. 
What used to be Old Testament Pentecost, the gift of the law, the giving of the law, became in the New Testament Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the birthday of the church. And it's an incredibly important moment, both then and now. But I think sometimes we think the Holy Spirit was just for another time and another place. But that's, that's not true. That's not even what Jesus taught. The, the Spirit is just as important as ever. In fact, Jesus said he had to leave so that the Spirit would come. In John 16, he said this, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You know, in one sense, we can say and look at this as if we are in the age of the Spirit. If we look back at the Old Testament, we can say, you know what, that was kind of the age of God the Father and how he interacted with his people and how he revealed himself as God the Father. When we get to the New Testament and the Gospels all the way up to this Pentecost moment, we can look at that and say, you know what, that was the age of God the Son. But from Pentecost until the Son comes back, until Jesus returns as King of kings and Lord of lords, that is the age of the Spirit. And that is the space in which we live in. A space where dunamis power is available. A space where the natural is made supernatural. A space where chains are broken. The ordinary becomes extraordinary. And here's a very interesting reality about living in the age of the Spirit. That without the Holy Spirit, life with God is limited to a religion rather than a relationship. Without the Holy Spirit, life with God is limited to a relationship rather, or excuse me, to a religion rather than a relationship. Because it's through the Holy Spirit that the triune God reaches out and reveals himself to us today and establishes relationship. It's through the Holy Spirit that God does that. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't have true relationship with God. We're left with nothing but religion. Because we don't have a counselor, we don't have a guide, we don't have a teacher, we don't have an intercessor. And ultimately, the Holy Spirit is sent to empower and help the believer in Jesus to live life to the full. Not stuck in sin, nor defeated, but free and empowered. Without the Holy Spirit, life with God is limited to religion rather than a relationship. Because the Holy Spirit empowers us to live differently. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to know God and to serve Him. We're 100% dependent upon the Holy Spirit to do that, to be empowered by Him. Now let me just be really clear about this power piece. We are not seeking to gain power for ourselves. We are not seeking to use Jesus for our own gain. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to live life the way He calls us to fully in the dunamis power of God with resurrection power and so much more. But it is not about power. It's about purpose, not power. It's about purpose, not power. The point is not for us to gain power for us. The point is for us to engage the power of God for the glory of God and the good of others. It's about purpose, not power. Now, if you were with us to the, for the end of the Live in the Dream series, you know that we've had a conversation about how you and I, all people, have a, we need Jesus. We are created for a relationship with God. We all need Jesus. We just don't know it yet. But having been created for a relationship with God, the reality is that sin entered the equation and created a gap. 
that a holy God can't be with an unholy people. But God so loved us, he sent Jesus Christ to pay the debt and the penalty for our sin, to die on a cross so that everyone who believes in their heart and professes it with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, that they will ultimately be saved. It's awesome. It's beautiful. We can have life again through Jesus Christ, redeemed. But it doesn't stop there. The reality is that once we are saved, Jesus positions us to live what? Sent. To be sent. Because everybody needs Jesus, they just don't know it yet. And so we're sent into this world to help others make that decision. The problem is that there is another gap. This is a relational gap. This is a religious gap, a cultural gap. It's a fracture in race and gender. There is another gap in this world. And we're positioned as a sent people of God to build bridges. We get to build bridges so that these people can actually be positioned to make their own decision to choose to cross the spiritual bridge into life with God. This is what we're called to do and to be. This is why Jesus said that whenever we take care of the least of these, we're actually taking care of him. We are living out the whole gospel. Too many times, those who, who live in this space either stay here, never stepping in a relationship with God, and they rely on their own power and their own purpose, and you realize that is way insufficient, and you're so struggling with this life. But maybe you get to the point to say, I'm going to trust Jesus, and you end up being saved, but you stay there because you got your ticket to heaven, you're just waiting for the bus to show up. But we are not just saved to be saved, we're saved to be sent. And some people just stand here and maybe they'll yell a few things across the gap or maybe they'll throw a few things across the gap. But the reality is that God calls us to build bridges. To be willing to sacrifice, to be willing to pay a cost, to be willing to love, to be willing to forgive, to build these bridges so these people can be in position to make a choice to cross that bridge. And our pursuit of others really reflects our pursuit of Him. Our attitude towards others really reflects our attitude towards God. Our, our relationship and how we respond to others reflects the true nature of our relationship with God. And how we pursue others reveals our pursuit of Him. And too many times, those who follow Jesus, who have been given the gift of life, who have the Holy Spirit in them, sit on it and don't live fully in the power of the Holy Spirit pursuing others. Because the deal is that our pursuit of others reveals our pursuit of Him. We're not... Jesus came to seek and save the lost, all people. And if Jesus has a burning desire to pursue others, so should we. And if you follow Jesus, but you don't have a concern for the lost, lost then something is wrong. The Holy Spirit wants those far from God to come to him through Jesus Christ. And our pursuit of others reveals our true posture with him. Look, this is one of the reasons why we are moving Vida Nueva into the Florescente neighborhood and we're establishing the Esperanza Center, the Hope Center. We are moving the church into new places to love and serve the people of the Quad Cities. And I just want to take a moment to, to celebrate that this past Friday... This past Friday, the Erickson School building was final, the sale of that building was finalized, and it is now official. We are the proud owners of that building in that neighborhood. It's the future home of Iglesia Vida Nueva and the Esperanza Center. 
And that building has served the people of the Floresiente neighborhood and the surrounding areas for many years. And now you and I, we as a church, have the privilege of continuing that legacy with an even greater source of hope, Jesus Christ. We're starting the retrofit process on Monday. We're going to start tearing stuff out. And we'll be in that phase at least through the end of the summer. And, and you'll be able to follow progress, be able to sign up for projects, pray through specific requests, and even give financially to the vision by clicking the Esperanza banner on the HeritageQC.com homepage. This is the beginning of a new season. The Esperanza Center will be a launching pad for us to be able to do that. Our pursuit of others revealing our pursuit of Him. We get to build bridges to let other people cross the spiritual bridge in Jesus. In fact, here's something else to celebrate. We know of four people this past week who made first-time decisions to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Four. Listen, here's one of the coolest things about that for me. Two of them are from the Florisante neighborhood. Already God is changing lives. Already God is going before us. He is moving in very specific ways, calling people to himself through his church. But here's the thing. One of the key realities about the Holy Spirit, about the power of God, is that God does not provide his power for our, your purpose. God does not provide his power for your purpose, but for his. And that thing over there on the easel, that is what his purpose is. That none would perish that no one would be separated from him. He leads people to himself, he saves them, and then he sends them. The power that we have is not just for us. It's, it's something to be lived through us. Yet too many of us, we step into relationship with Jesus, we follow him, we stop short after we receive this power because we don't impart that power back into this life by building bridges so others can find relationship with him. But God doesn't impart, he does not provide his power for your purpose. And so that actually leads us and begs another question. Whose power and purpose are you living in? Whose power and purpose are you living in? If you are spiritually unresolved today, you're, like, you're here, you've never reconciled this thing with God, then you are living here in your own power and your purpose. And as I said before, you realize that is so inadequate and, and insufficient. Life stinks. But maybe you're someone who has actually realized that and you've stepped over that. If you have not yet done that, this is your opportunity today to, to really surrender your life to Jesus Christ, to find forgiveness for your sin, to receive the gift of eternal life and begin to walk with God. No, run with God on fire. And if you've been someone who has made that decision recently or many years ago, but you have just been hanging out here, not doing any of this bridge building, not just living saved and not living sent, the day is the day for you to repent of that. Say, Lord, forgive me. I've been living in your power for my purpose. But you have imparted your power to me by your Holy Spirit for your purpose. Look, when, when Jesus gives us new life and God the Father imparts the Holy Spirit to us, he does it for our gain. But not for our purpose. He does it for his purpose. So what? Now what? What do we do with this? Well, Charles Stanley has a great statement. I like it. He said this, earthly wisdom is doing what comes naturally. Godly wisdom is doing what the Holy Spirit compels us to do. And my prayer for us as a church is that we would do what, what the Holy Spirit compels us to do. Even if it's costly, 
even if we don't really feel like doing it, even if it's going to require sacrifice or pain or, or need to forgive again, that we would do what the Holy Spirit compels us. For then the power of the Holy Spirit is at work within us in ways and things get done that we never thought possible. And there's actually two things that I think we can all look at this week to, to position us to live in his power for his purpose. And the first is that we obey to obtain. That we obey in order to obtain all that the Holy Spirit offers to us. You see, under the old covenant, the Holy Spirit rested on God's people as more of a nation, on the nation of Israel. But the reality is that in the new covenant, that the Holy Spirit rests upon individuals. All those who receive Jesus as Lord and Savior also receive the Holy Spirit as they live in obedience to Him. So when we know God, when we know Jesus, we will love Him. When we love Him, we will trust Him. When we trust Him, we will obey Him. And when we obey Him, He reveals more of who He is to us. So we can know and love and trust and obey all the more. Even Jesus talked about this in John 14 when He said, If you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, obey me. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Look, if you are today struggling spiritually unresolved, you haven't worked out your relationship with God through Jesus, if you're someone who is in a cycle of religion rather than relationship, if, if you're in a place where a habit or an addiction is just eating your lunch over and over and over again, I want you to know you can find freedom in the name of Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit today. Today, as you surrender to Jesus Christ, as you receive forgiveness and eternal life, the promise of eternal life, and you receive his Holy Spirit in you, you can find freedom today. And you can live and run with God on fire it doesn't matter where you're at in this journey. The reality is that we are all positioned today to ask God to fill us anew with his Holy Spirit for the first time or once again so that we can be the church on fire to say to him, Lord, we need you to just pour out your spirit on us to renew our commitment to fulfilling his purpose as his people in this world. And that leads us to the second reality that we would ultimately pursue his purpose by his power that we would pursue his purpose by his power. And listen, I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what kind of obstacles are in front of you. But God doesn't provide his power for your purpose. And whatever you're facing, whether it's a hardship, a pain, a loss, a difficulty, an obstacle, even an opportunity, you need to ask whose power and purpose are you going to live in? Whose power and purpose? The rest of the series is designed to help us walk through understanding how we do this, how we live in his power, as we live out his purpose, as his people. But one of the things we see early on is that the disciples recognized they did not have the resources in themselves to do what they could or should, and so they had to wait upon the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who came to be with them and in them is the same Spirit who desires to be with and in us through Jesus Christ. And here's the thing that Jesus goes on to say about that. He says, the world cannot accept him because neither, it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Listen, the world cannot see or understand this. But those who have him in them live as ambassadors 
We live as examples, as conduits. We live as the hands and feet of Jesus in a manner so that the people of this world can actually see this and be positioned to make a choice to step into that. This is why we have to build bridges. This is why we are here as the example so that at some point people will say, what's the reason for the hope that you have? Why do you live that way? Why do you forgive me? Why do you not hate? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? How do you have peace? And when we live as a people who have him within us, then others see that in us. And then they're given the opportunity to cross this spiritual bridge and be changed. But it all boils down to whose power and purpose we're going to live in. Can you just imagine what would happen if we as a people live consistently in a manner out of his power and his purpose so that he could be at work in this world so that hundreds if not thousands of people would step across this bridge because we built these bridges. My prayer is that we would be a people who daily live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not our power, not our strength. And the reality is, if you've not crossed this bridge yet, this is your opportunity today. And there's information in the back of the sermon note guide that can help you understand how to take that step. But for everyone who has made that step and now is saved, the reality is that you are sent. And God wants to position you to transform lives by the power of His Holy Spirit in you at work in this world. It's a, it's a huge privilege. But we have to make the choice to live in his power by his purpose and not anything else. So let's take a moment to pray and you'll have an opportunity to have your own conversation with him about where you're at in this journey. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have given us the advocate, the comforter, the paraclete, given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes what is natural and makes it supernatural. I thank you that through Jesus Christ, we can experience the dunamis power at work in us. And I pray, Father, for my brothers and sisters as they process through the realities of the Holy Spirit and how they have been living and what you're calling them into, I pray that every single one of us would hear you and we would step in obedience with courage, whether to cross that bridge into relationship with your son Jesus for the very first time or whether to go and help build bridges so others can find a relationship with you. God, I know that that all that requires a cost. We have to die to self to, to know your son and to have a relationship with you, but then we also need to die our, to ourselves again to live in your purpose and your power as we position ourselves to build bridges so others can know you as your sent people. So Lord, in the next few moments as we step back into worship, I pray that you would continue to speak by your Holy Spirit. Lead us into the next season. Lead us into this week. Help us to understand how we more fully live in your power by your purpose. And may you accomplish all that you want to do, far more than we can ask or imagine, in and through us. I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. And everybody said, amen.